The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the available lines ahead of the college basketball tournament on the DraftKings Sportsbook app. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, guys? This is the Talking the Star podcast. I'm your host, Connor Livesey. Joe, by my co-host tonight, Joey Ikes. Uh, we're coming off a big 33-13 win against the division rival Philadelphia Eagles. Got a big one coming up this weekend against the Buffalo Bills, trying to keep the train rolling. Um, a lot of things to talk about from the Philly game and a lot of things to talk about to preview the Buffalo game coming up. So we're going to dive right into things. Before we do, Joey, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. Like you said, it's a uh, it's a good week. The uh, you know we've heard for so long the Cowboys haven't beaten any good teams. The Cowboys haven't beaten teams with a winning record, all that kind of stuff. And now here they are, and they just um, curb stomped the number one seed in the conference to the point where they are no longer the number one seed in the conference. And um, and it feels good, especially because you know it's the Eagles, which that just makes it twice as good. Yeah, I mean, again, you talked, you kind of touched on like the the conversation going into that game was this, you know, here's the Cowboys' chance to prove that they can beat a you know good team with a winning record. You know, more talk about you know Dak and the MVP conversation, but they haven't played anybody, you know, type of thing. And they did, I think from from the offense, from the defense, from the special teams, like. I've, you know, I've come on the show and been a little critical of the defense, you know, over the last few weeks, just, you know, giving up a lot of points and having some, you know, struggles stopping some, some good offenses this year. And I was just, I was so glad to see that defense just even, you know, Phil, even when Philadelphia is like showing the ability to move the football, they would come up and get a turnover. They would get a stop on fourth down. Like that was the performance from the defense. We'll get into the offense and special teams and all that here in a second. But that was the performance from the defense I've been wanting to see from them all season, you know, against a good offense, good opponent, big game. They showed up and they played a fantastic game on the defensive side of the ball. And that was probably a lot of things went right for the Cowboys. I don't think it was a squeaky clean game from Dallas, but I think a lot of things went their way that game. But I think for me, the defense showing up to that level gave me a lot of confidence going into this next, you know, four or five game stretch that, you know, against some good offenses, good quarterbacks, and, you know, some of that, some of the things that we've had some questions about about this team, that defensive performance last week really helped ease some of my concerns about some of those. Yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, we've had this conversation through through this, you know, podcast several times where like you said, you, you have concerns about the defense and I kind of say, well, that's just kind of what defense is. Every once in a while you're going to get one of those outstanding performances, but for the most part, defenses are going to give up points. That's just the way it works. This was one of those outstanding performances, right? You take what is a good, probably not this year a great offense in Philadelphia. Um, but you take a good offense and for the first time in half a decade or something like that, keep them from scoring a touchdown on offense in the entire game. And that is, um, it's pretty remarkable. I mean, the, 
there were people trying to sell the quarterback of this team as the MVP, and they didn't score an offensive touchdown all day. Um, and, you, you know, we're late in the year. Like, this is not week three, week four. This is happening. This is week 14. Teams are supposed to be their fully developed versions of themselves. And um, they they did exactly what you want them to do. And, and the people you wanted to see make plays made plays. You know, Marquise Bell played really well. Damone Clark had a couple of really nice, you know, big hits over the middle of the field to really kind of – that's kind of the area people think they can attack is that linebacker level. But Damone Clark and Marquise Bell played unbelievable. And then, you know, Stephon Gilmore had the game of the year for him uh, against Philadelphia. And, you know, that game from Stephon Gilmore is the reason why you go out and get these mercenaries for your team is, you know, Stephon Gilmore has been good this year. He has not been consistently great, but he still has great in him for a game here and there. And you got one against a really good op- opponent that you really needed to have a great game against. You got one. And, um, I think Donovan Wilson probably played close to his best game. You know, Michael got a sack with the flu. You know, the defensive line was consistently disruptive. Like, I think the safeties in general probably had the best game of the season for that position group. Malik Hooker. Yeah, collectively for sure, yeah. yeah. Malik Hooker yeah, made seen... a huge uh, pass. To, you know, he knocked a ball free on a – I can't remember if it was a fourth down or third down conversion, you know, made a huge play. You saw J. Ron Curse actually show up big and make some nice plays in coverage, had some big tackles. So just Donovan Wilson was flying around. Just felt like for the first time this year, all the safeties made some big plays in a big game. And you're like, that's what we were kind of expecting going into the year. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's also one reason why you and I come on here and we talk, we, you know, we preach a little bit of patience early in the season. Like, Hey, these guys are going to, we know we've got multiple seasons of Donovan Wilson being a super disruptive player who makes big impact plays. We've got multiple seasons of Malik Hooker being a very solid middle of the field safety on a team that plays a ton of middle field close defense. We've got a couple of seasons now of Jaron Jaron Curse being a really solid second level defender who's pretty decent in man coverage on tight end on the you know mid level tight ends. He he's a really great matchup for those guys. And even though you don't necessarily see it every week or haven't seen it every week up to now, they showed against Philadelphia why we believe that, why we've been saying that. And the uh, and the result was it, it was remarkable because they could just ne- they could just could get nothing going at all. It, it, they had oh man, so they had negative EPA per play. The Eagles had negative EPA per play on average in the game. So every time they got they ran an offensive play on average, they were less likely to score points than they were before that play started. Now just think about that. <laughs> From a defensive perspective, against an offense that is pretty pretty good. And now some of that is driven by the turnovers, but still that's uh that's pretty remarkable. It's uh it was a just a complete effort like you said the kicker you know just going berserk kicking kicks that would have been good from 70 and they they played incredibly well and they beat the crap out of the eagles which is everything you can ask for yeah and and like i said not to turn the page on this game too quick but you know a lot a lot of we could sit them here and talk for two hours about all the things that went right you know some of that but i mean outside of the three you know like my only three real complaints from that game is they ran the ball on three second and third and longs in that game. I think they ran it on second and 19, second and 20, and then third and 25 and didn't get much yardage in all three of those. Those were some head scratching decisions, you know, um, understood the thought process and running it there. Just, you know, not feeling like you could probably get the first downs and, in field goal range, trying to get yourself a little bit closer, but definitely didn't agree with those decisions. Those were three of the only plays in the game where I went what's going on what are we doing here but um you know a few miscommunications it looked like between Dak and CD Dak and Ferguson I think once but other than that I mean it just you know it wasn't like they the defense dominated but it wasn't like they just came out and like kicked Philly's ass on offense they just they played a good game on offense they were able to move the ball Philadelphia's defense played much better in the second half than they did in the first half but when they needed to make that big play the quarterback would show up you know the receivers would show up the tight end would show up the 
it just felt like we always say like, oh, and they need to make the big play. They don't seem to do it, but it felt like that game they did. I know they, you know, really dominated the first half, but in the second half, I think that's where that sediment kind of comes into play where it's like they weren't dominating the second half, but when they needed to go get a play, when they needed somebody to step up and make a play, they they just seemed to do it. And that was that was that was really another one of my, you know, big things I was just looking forward to see is this team when you know, when the when things are starting, you know, after the fumble return for a touchdown, like can you come back and get points on the next drive to extend the lead? And it just felt like even though the second half did not go as well as the first half, it just felt like they kept bouncing back and and doing the things they needed to do to 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 inch that game closer to the victory line. Yeah, and then you know, and in the uh the second half of the game, you know, there was there was a little bit of luck that went you know, was unfortunate, you know, this on the sack fumble that they picked up and ran back for a touchdown. How, how many times in Zach Martin's career have we seen him get beat that way? Not probably, you could probably count them on one yeah. hand in his, you know, almost 10 year career now that he's been beat that way. And then you watch the all 22 and Brandon Cooks is wide open down the field. And that's who Dak's trying to get the ball to. And he even said after the game that the most frustrating part about that play was that it would have been a touchdown if he'd have been able to get the ball off. And so, like, you just on the down-to-down, like, execution of 11 against 11, the Cowboys just dominated this game from start to finish. Even if even if they didn't, you know, go blow out the second half and wind up scoring 50 or something like that, like they have in some of these games, they um, they were just – they didn't need to is the thing. And they're probably going to see this team again more than likely. And so it probably makes sense. If you've got them beat, maybe don't give them everything you've got. Well, and again, like, I think it's almost more impressive that they won the way they did than if they did blow them out because like we, I mean, again, like as much as we, I hate to like, as much as we try to maybe ignore it or whatever, but like sometimes the team doesn't respond great to adversity in some of these close, you know, close games against Uh like, that's just, it's true at this point. Like we can, we even, you know, even Seattle the week before, like they were struggling to get it done. They got it done, but they really didn't answer the adversity call like they did against Philadelphia last week. You know, I think they responded much better in those big moments. I think that was, that made that more impressive than if they would have won, you know, 52 to 13 or whatever. I think that the fact that they did, you know, in that second half struggle to maybe play offense a little bit. And when Philadelphia's all, you know, offense was finally finding a way to move the ball, they'd get a turnover. They'd, they'd kick the long field goal. They'd get the big play on offense. So I kind of liked that they had some of the struggles throughout the game and they were able to more often than not find an answer to come back on the next drive or come back on the next play and, and connect or, move the ball or get a turnover. Like they just felt like they had an answer to everything that we haven't always seen this team have over the years. Yes, absolutely. And I think the, the great example of that, you know, I talked about the sack fumble a little bit ago, um, stack fumble touchdown, you know, all of a sudden the game is 24 to 13. Now it's like a little, it's still a two possession or it's a two possession game, but nine points feels way different than, you know, than, 21 does right <laughs> or then then 18 does sure. um and the cowboys get the ball back after that and they go they gain they wind up going down and kicking a 59 yard field goal they gain 34 yards on 34 positive yards on the drive that drive is the drive where the tyler biotish like really kind of ticky tack mm-hmm. keep it close clipping call was made yeah. on a run play that you know was you know that was even the when the referee when the referee specialist or rules analyst or whatever he is on the broadcast says, yeah, I don't think that was a penalty. You know, it's pretty blatantly not a yeah. penalty if he's willing to call out the officials. And so they get that fifty that fifteen yard clipping on a second and four, and then all of a sudden it's second and nineteen, and then comes one of your um, so, I don't really like this second yeah. down and super long runs. And then Dak scrambles for 10 yards on third and 15. And now all of a sudden it's going to be fourth and five at the 23 yard line. They're almost certainly going for fourth down there. And then, but they get an offensive holding penalty. I don't remember the specifics on that one, but they got a penalty against Tyler Biotish again on that one. Then another run on a long third down. um, And then that's when they kicked the 59 yard field goal. So, 
Immediately after that, they drive right down the field. Tiki tack penalty puts them behind the sticks. They don't like super hyper aggressively go for the second and 19. But if you think about it from the head coach's standpoint, it is 24 to 13. You did just turn the ball over, tried to be aggressive down the field when maybe you didn't need to be. I mean, it was third and 10, but maybe you didn't need to go for a kill shot on third and 10. Um, but you you go a little bit conservative on second and long. Then you go to throw the pass on third and 15 the first time. Then you get the penalty to third and 25. Um, at that point, you're trying not to get knocked out of field goal range on another penalty or something like that. You run the ball for a couple yards. You kick the field goal. They answered the points with points and turned it from a nine-point game or, excuse me, from an 11-point game into a 14-point game. Now it's a two-full touchdown game for the Eagles to even tie the game. That's a pretty good answer from a Cowboys team that was um, that was in that hasn't always answered adversity yeah. very well yeah. over the course of the last few years. And and on top of that, the drive took five minutes and fifty two seconds off the clock in a third quarter when they're up by nine points. By the time you kick that field goal and go up fourteen, you know I don't want to say it's over because Philly has made comebacks before, but you had to feel pretty good up 14 with five minutes left in the third quarter with the way your defense had played that night. Yeah. I guess, I guess my, my, my closing statement on that is how often does this team go conservative on, or, or how often, how many times have we seen it? I guess I should say over the years where they go conservative on second and 19, another penalty conservative on third and 25, and then miss that field goal. Then Philly gets the ball at midfield. <laughs> like that seems, how many times does it seem like we've seen that over the years? Oh yeah. Or they, or they get the second penalty and now all of a sudden they're not in field goal range and they have to punt. Right. Like, like, <laughs> and then the punt bounces into the end zone and it's a, you know, 20 yard sure. net punt or something like that. Yeah. It just like, that's what I was playing through my head that whole time. It was like, Oh, they went conservative on second down. They went, you know, penalty, penalty, conservative again on third down. And you're like, here we go. And then they nailed the 59 yard field goal. And you're like, man, that feels a little different than what we're used to. Cause normally you're doinking it off the left upright and Philly's hitting the field full stride and you're like, here comes the pain. And it, it just, I don't know. Like, again, we've talked about it. We've went back and forth on it. We went from this team feels different to maybe they're the, not as good as we thought they were to, you know, back to, okay, we think this team's, you know, a different team. And it just, you're, you're leaning more and more that this team feels a lot different than you teams in the past, you know, with, with the way they're ever since the bye week it just seems like, they have a way of doing things different than some of these Cowboys teams in the past, which is great for Cowboys fans and people who cover the team and follow the team and are fans of the team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think if you think about the one thing that's different about this team than the prior teams, you know, there's personnel changes because that happens. I think Mike McCarthy deserves an insane amount of credit for the way this team is playing. Sure. The way he's calling offensive football right now is – remarkable and I don't know what happened over the bye week I don't know if you know we talked after they played Sunday night it may have been the 49ers I don't remember what game it was and Chris Collinsworth had said on the broadcast that Mike McCarthy told them in their production meeting they hadn't even gotten to their seven-man protections yet and and the whole season leading up to that mark we were talking about they're never throwing the ball downfield why are they? Why is everything quick game? It feels like they have no, you know, deep shot element. They signed Brandon, they traded for Brandon Cooks, and they're not sending him down. What's going on? And then they come out of the bye week, and it's freaking bombs away. Like they're just launching balls down the field, seam balls, deep shots, double moves. I mean, how many times have we seen this year compared to prior years the big post over the middle of the field? Like I can't tell you how many times we have. Like I have screamed for them to run like a big play action deep post and they've thrown it two or three times he threw it this week he just happened to nail brandon cooks in the chest with it instead of throwing the big the big over the top he fit it in a window because um, they had a middle field close safety and he still threw the big post and nailed him in the chest with at the one yard line in the uh right before the end of the half but it should have been a touchdown <laughs> yes it should have been and i you know 
um, JT O'Sullivan on his video said, man, if Brandon Cooks catches that ball with his hands instead of jumping up to catch it with his chest, it's a touchdown because he can run through it. But because he jumped and let the defender catch him and hit him, and it, it wound up not being a touchdown. But I still think it was close enough to probably – I think there was a chance it was a touchdown anyway. But they got into the next play or two plays later, whatever. It doesn't matter. But the, this team is different. And the biggest thing about this team that feels different from prior years – is the way this offense is playing right now and the way the offense is designed, the way they're using – I mean, think about how much we screamed and yelled early in the year and in prior years about, you know, why are we not purposeful about our motion? What are we doing with this motion? Yeah. Is there anything that we're trying to do? How are we gaining advantages with formations? They're doing four, so much four strong, like quads formation stuff uh, on this offense right now. They're doing so much crazy stuff with motions. Their like end around reverse running game is awesome right now. You know, between jet sweeps, true end arounds, you know, orbit motions with a little pitch back, you know, they're getting the ball to all kinds of guys in those types of situations. And it's like, holy cow, this is what real NFL offense looks like. This is what high level design that gives your quarterback answers looks like. And, you know, Again, we'll talk about Collinsworth. Collinsworth's talking about one, two, and go. And, you know, that's not necessarily exactly how it's all reading out. There is some of that on quick game, which is what Dak – Dak is famous, for me at least, for hanging in the pocket on quick game. You know, he'll first guy's not there, second guy's not there. He's waiting for, like, the, the third window or something like that. And he's been doing a much better job of quick game. It's not there. Get out of it. Now, the deep stuff, he's hanging in there and hanging in there and throwing the check down to Tony Pollard and turning it into – you know, five or six free yards if he needs to. Uh, but they're just playing unbelievable. It's unbelievable design. And the, the play calling, the sequencing, it's it's beautiful to watch in a way that since I've been covering the Cowboys this closely, which is like 11, 12 seasons now, um, I've never seen it like this before. And it's uh, it's remarkable to see what this group of talent can do with an offense designed like that. Support for this episode comes from Viator. Sure, a good souvenir is always fun, but it's the experiences that people love the most about traveling. When you get back home, that t-shirt might fade and that snow globe might break, but it's those once-in-a-lifetime memories that will last. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like architectural sightseeing, snorkeling excursions, sunset cruises, and so much more. With Viator, you can reserve everything from simple tours to thrilling adventures with over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries. Whether you're a foodie, a history buff, or an adrenaline junkie, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you can have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Make memories that will last forever with Viator. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Life moves pretty fast. Are you drinking water that can keep up? Smartwater Alkaline has everything you need to stay hydrated, no matter where your day takes you. Whether you're pitching a tent or your next big idea, Smartwater Alkaline can help you perform your best. It delivers a pure, crisp taste that makes it the perfect chaser after a big workout. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. Yeah, and, and you know, you, you mentioned giving McCarthy credit. And I think, you know, it's something that everybody that follows covers this team should be doing right now. I think, you know, I think we've heard some whispers and rumors of some of the, you know, what happened after the bye with some players and other coaches kind of getting together and going, Hey, we got to change some things up from a play calling perspective, from a game plan perspective, from a motion perspective. Like it sounds like there was a very big, meeting conversation whatever you want to call it that went on that like kind of looked at the identity of that team in the first six weeks and went if this is how we're going to play football it's not going to work and I think that's where I give McCarthy the most credit is changing what he's was comfortable with and what you know he was used to doing and you know some of that stuff was 
probably ironing out things that they hadn't really gotten into, like you said, for part of that year. But I think a lot of it, you know, outside of the McCarthy side of things was the Brian Schottenheimer side of things, you know, maybe saying, Hey, you know, these are things we need to include. And, you know, there's been some whispers that Dan Quinn had some hands and maybe some things that they could be doing different to make defense and defending them. Isn't as easy as it was. And the players, you know, there's been rumors of Dak and CD lamb and some of those guys stepping in and just, and again, the first six weeks, like, CeeDee Lamb was barely getting targeted and now he's getting targeted more than any other receiver in the NFL. And there was no motion and a lot of everything was, you know, we're seeing so much slant flat and it's just, they still go back to some of that stuff, but it's the ability to just completely make over the offensive identity in the first six weeks. And then where we're at now, I think that's, you know, again, like we give him credit and saying what's impressive, like that might be the most impressive thing we've seen about this team in a long time is their ability. Cause we've seen the Kellen Moore offenses and some of these offenses have success, you know, running what we thought was good offense, but then you'd play some teams that just could defend it. And there, there was no answers ever. There was no change. There was never any adjustment, but their adjustment from, you know, yeah. The, I mean, we, we were on the show, you know, four or five, six weeks into the year, just going like, hey, if this is the offense that they're going to run, they're going to get smoked by good teams. Like, we, we, you know, that we felt confident in that. And what they've shown the last six to seven weeks is like, okay, they can play with anybody with the way they're doing offense right now. And, you know, they, they, I think we closed the show last week with, you know, hey, we just want to see them play their game, like not come out and go run, run pass, you know, not play conservative, be aggressive. You know, we got to, we, we even had an early challenge flag that we talked about on last week's show. Yeah, we did. It, it was like, just, it's so nice to see the, we're not gonna, you know, hide under the covers and hope that things figure themselves out. Like they're, they're going to play aggressive. They're going to play their game and the quarterback continues to, to play it the highest level in the league and he continues to talk about how aggressive they're going to stay aggressive and be aggressive and for the first time you know I think in a long time they're actually standing behind those words and they're not getting back into the the passive and conservative style of play that we've seen them kind of dip back into when things get tough on them like years in the past yeah absolutely and you know there was a there was a head coach in place in Dallas for a long time who always believed he was the smartest guy in the room. And because he always believed he was the smartest guy in the room, it was hard for anybody to tell him anything about anything. And the guy sitting in that seat for the Cowboys is not that way. No. Not, yeah, I was going to say now. That's the shocking thing is I think 10 years ago, (laughs) he might have been that guy. But it's like, I think that's the most impressive thing about Mike McCarthy right now is he's not – like he's listening to other people and going, Hey, this is not, you know, normally, you know, I, 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 somebody said it the other day. I can't remember who it might've been JT O'Sullivan. It might, I can't remember if it was Nate Tice. What's one one of those bigger platform podcast guys, film guys were like, if you'd have told me 10 years ago that Mike Marthy, Mike McCarthy's offense would change drastically in the middle of a year, be, you know, due to some people maybe requesting change, I'd have told you you're crazy. And like, they were giving him credit for doing that because he's, you know, coming into Dallas, that was the thing is he's like, yeah, he's kind of stubborn and maybe not the guy who's going to, you know, let a lot of people have a hand in what he's doing. But I mean, he's absolutely changed that impression of himself over the last you know couple of years. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, just think about the, the, the level of humility and all that stuff that he's exhibiting right now. Right. Like every Think about how much praise over the course of the last few years Dan Quinn has gotten sure. for the way the defense has played, right? Now, some of that is earned for Quinn. Some of it is just remarkable players making plays in a pretty simple defensive sit- setup for them. But Mike has never once balked at that. You know, like, Mike has never, you know, Dan's even said, you know, I went to Mike and said, hey, if you want all this to go away, I'll go take a job. And Mike's like, no, I want you to stay. I want us to do this together. Like, how many times over the course of the last two years have we have has the words been said in the public media, you know, oh, Jerry's just going to give the head coaching job to Dan Quinn 
Mike McCarthy's seat is so hot because he's got somebody on staff who's ready to be a, a head coach again, who's doing a great job, but he doesn't want to lose. Mm-hmm. And, and it's almost like Mike leaned into it more. He's like, all right, Dan, you take the defense. I'll take the offense. Let's go. Right? It's like, because when, you, when you're not installing or calling the offense, you're more involved in the defense, right? Like that's sort of the idea. You're more involved in all phases of the game. And Mike says, you know what? I don't need to be involved in the defense. I can dive fully into the offense. Dan's got the defense. Let's go. And now they're one. They're either the best or the second or the one A team in the entire NFL right now. And I, it's I don't think there's the group of them, San Francisco and Baltimore, exists in a tier all their own. And I, I don't think the closest, the next closest team, I don't know who it is because the way the Eagles is playing right now, they don't, maybe the Bills, the way they're playing, but their record doesn't, their record doesn't hold up to it. But I just, I'm glad we're getting this opportunity, you know, to give Mike McCarthy some credit for what he's done because you don't get to be, your offense doesn't play this well. Your team doesn't become this good. You don't win double digit games three seasons in a row in spite of your head coach. No. And so and it's it's time for the for the narrative around this team to reflect that um, instead of instead of treating him like he's a liability that everybody has to overcome. When that's the case, you go 12 and four and then you turn around and go eight and eight or nine and seven or you go eight and eight for four years in a row or something like that. You don't do that whenever you don't go 12 and five, 12 and five. And now you're 10 and three with four weeks left. You don't do that with a with a head coach who's a liability. Yeah. And this is like I said, this is me crediting Mike McCarthy. It might sound harsh and like I'm trying to take shots at him. I'm not. But I do think seven years ago this offense would still be being ran how it was in the first six weeks of the season. I think it Yes. And it's credit because he's grown, right? Right. Like, he's figured out, okay, he's list you know, the he's not what you said, he's not trying to be the smartest man in the room anywhere more where six or seven years ago. He probably was more stubborn. He was that young, dumb, and, you know, had a, had some success, and now he's young, dumb, and it's my way or the highway. And now it's now it's like, all right, you know, things haven't been going good. How can we improve on it? And that's where I give him the most credit is he's changed. He's called good offense since then, and I'll give him all the credit in the world for doing that. Yeah, and we've heard – you know, we heard it on sound of the sidelines, right? You know, a couple of weeks ago they throw a touchdown pass to Brandon Cooks on the, the, dino, the dino route. And Brandon Cooks comes to the sideline and he goes, he goes, yeah, man, I told Coach to put that play yeah. in this week. I didn't know, I didn't think he was going to call it, man. That's trust to call that play right there that wasn't even in the game plan until I came and asked him for it. And it's like that's a coach that gets it. Like your your player, your veteran wide receiver who's been in the league for a ton of years and could consistently produced comes to you and says, Coach, I think we, ha- I think this play should be in this week. So not only, so you put it on the sheet first of all props, but then not only do you put it on the sheet, put it in the game plan, you call it because there's a you could put a play on the sheet to try to appease a guy and then never call it, and then when he comes and asks you about it, just say yeah, you know I didn't feel like we ever got the best situation for it. I thought we had some better looks for other things, and then he'd probably say okay, coach, maybe you know maybe next week. Nope, it was on the sheet and he called it and they scored a touchdown and that's like that is a coach that gets it. And for so long, Mike McCarthy's had the reputation of not getting it. Maybe that was earned. Maybe it wasn't. It's it's hard to know without being in the building, but it's pretty obvious right now that he gets it from that standpoint. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, Let's get into the, you mentioned it, you know, one of the other top tier teams right now, you know, might not, not, might not look like it from a scheduling standpoint, but it's hard not to include the Buffalo bills and, one of those top teams, the way they're playing football right now. Obviously got a big win against Kansas City Chiefs last week. Controversial win. Um, <laughs> that that might be a team that deserves, you know, how good are they with the Kansas City Chiefs? But you you look look at Buffalo right now. They're playing good football, um, especially on the offensive side of the ball. So this defense is going to get another tough test coming up this week. Um, what are – I think the first thing to point at with the game – you know, in the middle of December in Buffalo is the weather doesn't look too bad this week, which is always a good sign. Um, not having to play in high winds, cold, 
freezing cold temperatures or snow, it looks like it's going to be relatively nice for a mid-December Buffalo game. I think that's probably the one thing I'm paying close attention to. And then the second thing is just stopping Josh Allen. Um, I mentioned it, I think it was on last week's show, where we talk about how this defense has much better success, you know, defending teams that only have, you know, one or two primary outlets instead of the three or four, um, which they showed up last week against a team that's got three or four in Dallas Goddard, Devontae Smith, and A.J. Brown. So they, they shut me up a little bit. But I do think this defense has a really good chance to, to have another good game this week. You know, Stephon Diggs is really the only, you know, dynamic threat on that offense. Dalton Kincaid's had a good year. James Cook's a good player. But I think that the Buffalo Bills offense is kind of the offense that this defense plays better against because it doesn't have the the multiple outlets to worry about. They can kind of shift their focus to Stephon Diggs, you know, James Cook's a good back, but they, you know, really the ultimately the 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 end of the day, it's about stopping Josh Allen and and the the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, which can be a tough task when Josh Allen's on his A game. Yeah, I mean that that's really what it comes down to is that the Bills have a quarterback that much like the Cowboys quarterback and a very, very small collection of other quarterbacks. When he is on his game, he's virtually impossible to stop. And it almost doesn't matter how good your defense is. If Josh Allen turns on, you know, super Saiyan mode, like you're just not going to stop him. And you've got to be able to score with him. That's how teams have historically beat them when he's playing well. That's how, you know, Kansas City has been able to beat him in the playoffs, things like that. Um. But he is very much a, you know, what Josh Allen is going to show up this week kind of player. And there will be a handful of plays this week that he makes that we look around and go, what on earth was that? Like that's not just, you know, Justin Herbert's sort of the same way where it's like that was not a human play. (laughs) Like human quarterbacks don't make that throw. They don't make that play. Josh Allen's going to do that a couple of times in this game. And what it really becomes for the for the Cowboys defense is, okay, you give up that play. Don't let it turn into that play and three more plays after that. And then the, the touchdown pass four plays later. Yeah. If you give up the play, give up the play, and then turn around and make a play of your own. And that that's what it's going to turn into for this team because him and Stephon Diggs are going to make plays. And it's just a matter of, can you slow down the other guys and can you beat up on the offensive line enough to be able to uh, to slow this team down? Because, I mean, even the game they won against, uh, against KC this past week, Josh Allen had negative EPA per play that week. All of their pass plays were negative EPA, all situations. Early pass, late down pass. They had... N- below average success rate on series that started with a pass. Like he did not have a great week against Kansas city and they happened to win because, you know, Kansas city is on some sort of string of beating themselves. That it's, it's hard to think about an Andy Reed, Pat Mahomes team doing that. But it just, I don't think the bills are as good as the Cowboys, but the Josh Allen part of it, and I'm I'm the guy on Twitter who's talking all the time about how Josh Allen isn't better than Dak Prescott. And that's true. But on any individual game, Dak Prescott can play above Josh Allen. Josh Allen can play above Dak Prescott. As it averages out, they're probably about the same level of player. And if they both come out and play at a really high level, this might be one of, this will be the best game to watch all year. Like this will be an unbelievable game if these guys both come out and play at a high level. If they don't, if one of them comes out and plays at a high level and one of them struggles, whoever struggles is going to lose. And um, for the Cowboys' sake, you hope that that's not them because we're still trying to hunt down this number one seed. Yeah, no, I, I agree with pretty much everything you were just saying. Um, can I propose a hot take before we get out of here? Always. Obviously. <laughs> Obviously, I need the cow. You know, we need the Cowboys to win pretty much the rest of their games to have a shot at winning a division in their one seed. Am I crazy for wanting kind of a Dak just absolute stinker over these next few games to just get that out of the way before the playoffs start? 
Because if he doesn't, let's be honest. Let's be honest with ourselves. If he does not have a rough game to close out the year, how hard is it for a quarterback to play it a just, I mean, let's just call it what it is, an elite level for 12 weeks, something like that? I mean, yeah. Yeah, I have this thought all the time with teams that are like, you know, 12 and one or something like that. And they lose a game earlier in the year and then they go on like a nine game win streak. You're like, I kind of want, you know, you're going to lose a game at some point. Like nobody like, wins. I, I, I don't want them to lose. Like I don't want the team to lose, but I kind of want like <laughs> Dak to just have a crappy game. And it's like, you know, maybe they win a 20 to 10 game, you know, against Detroit, you know, Detroit's kind of slipping a little bit and he's trying, I mean, I don't think he'll struggle against Detroit, but I don't know. I don't. I, there's not a really. I mean, like, if he goes, I understand what you're saying for sure, huh? I said I understand what you're saying for sure, but yeah, you like I don't. I don't want to say this. Like, hey, I hope Dak struggles against right. Buffalo. Like, like I'm not, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm like, he's had an insane stretch of games, and it's like, you obviously want to win all these next few games because it gives you a really good chance to win the division. But it's like, if you go, what is there? Four games left. Five games. Four games left. Four games left. Yeah, they're ten and three, so four games left. So if they, if he has an insane four game stretch, that means pretty much the bye week is in week seven, correct? Um, yeah. That would put him at a ten game elite stretch to close out the year. Just a ten game heater that you need him to do it for what three more games? Because if he doesn't, if if they go undefeated the rest of the season. Uh, we, you know, we talked about this last week. The Eagles will slip up. The Eagles will lose another game, just the way that they're playing. So if they go undefeated, they will win the division, and you know, and they will have a home playoff game and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I just, I mean, it sounds stupid to say because how well he's playing, but like I don't know if it's possible for a guy to go on a what fourteen week just eater. Yeah, it's like. I understand what you're saying for sure, but it's hard to say. It's it's one of those like maybe he just comes out and craps the bed against Washington, but they still win. Like they need the win, and he comes out and plays, but he doesn't yes. play well. You know That's they're the in Washington. Bet. You know they're in Washington. The field's kind of crappy. Maybe you know maybe they like you know who knows who knows how it works out, but maybe he comes out and kind of slips up against Washington in Week 18, and you win the game anyway because Washington's not very good. But you and you win all the games that you need to win, and and all that. And you know he still like leads a game-winning drive at the end of the game to win the game. And so now the MVP conversation stays, you know, stays rolling, and and you still win out and get you know get the number one or number two seed. And your uh, but your quarterback you know had a down week, so he can rebound for the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, I mean it sounds it sounds so first take. I get it, but it's just like. Four, needing 14 just elite weeks from your quarterback to close out the year is just as crazy to say. Yeah, or, I mean, maybe it's like the divisional round and they play the Saints and they lose. Or not they lose, but he plays real bad and they still beat him because the other the, the NFC good. South champ is so bad that he can play not great in the playoffs and win. And then the divisional round, they're getting ready to play Philly or San Francisco or something like that, and it's all about – you know, Jack still hasn't played well in the playoffs. He's going to do it. And he comes out and just mops the floor with that team in the division round and get, gets rolling back on a heater. I'm not asking Dak to play bad, obviously. I just, I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm like, what we're asking the team and him to do to close out the year to like get us where we hope to be, which is number one or number two seed, is just nuts. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it, it's pretty, it's pretty crazy for sure. Oh, man. All right. Well, like I said, road game in Buffalo, another tough, tough game against a good team on the road. You know, this is another one where they go into Buffalo, they beat a good Buffalo Bills team on the road, like the the MVP stuff, the, you know, best team in the NFC stuff. It's going to be hard to overtake in a, it, San Francisco for the best team in the NFC just because of their struggles against San Francisco, which I completely get. No argument there for me but I think they could still be the second best team in the league behind San Francisco, even though they're in the same conference, just based on how dominant they, they have been and how, if they do what we're asking them to do, how dominant they would be to close out the year. 
um, you'd be looking at this team as, you know, one of the top two teams to probably be in the Super Bowl favorite, which is something we just haven't been able to say for a long time. Yeah, and it goes back to that conversation we had earlier where this team feels different. This team feels like they can win games a lot of ways. They feel like they can win a shootout. They feel like they can win a 13 to 7 slog fest in the winter in Minnesota or, you know, or Buffalo. They feel like they can win a lot of different ways. And that is a that's how you win a Super Bowl is, you know, be able to win games no matter what game script pops up. And um, you know, so far so good for this team. So far so good. What do you got as a score prediction for this weekend? Um, we'll say 24-21 Cowboys with like a ridiculous Brandon Aubrey kick in the wind to win the game. I think it's going to be close, more high scoring. Um, I'm going to give it 33 to 27 Dallas. There you go. I could see. I, I'm I'm worried that you know the 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 wind. The you know even if the weather isn't crazy, it's going to be cold, and you know the the grass field slows the Cowboys down a little bit, all that kind of stuff. But they still you know they still manage to find a way to go out there and uh, and beat a pretty good team in the Bills. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I think I think this team just you know. The turf grass thing, they talked about that a little bit last week. I think that's something to pay attention to. But, I mean, the Bills' defense has not been great since Matt Milano went down. You know, they don't really have the the pass rush or coverage unit that, that you know, we've seen from Buffalo over the last few years. Um, you can kind of you can kind of put some of those those guys in the in the sniper scope if you want and attack them. You know, CeeDee Lamb's obviously just having a miraculous year. The quarterback's playing great. I think you can run on them a little bit. I think you can throw it on them a little bit. You know, it kind of feels like maybe not quite as bad as the Philadelphia defense, but a very similar defense where, like, they have the names on that defense to be better than they are, but they've just really struggled to, you know, they stopped the Chiefs pretty well last week, but they've just really struggled to kind of shut down teams on the defensive side of the ball like we've seen them do over the last few years in Buffalo and you know, I think they, you know, they've they've won some good games here recently, but I think they're kind of due for. They were also losing some some not so good games here, uh, not too too long ago. So I think they're they're ready to get smacked back into reality a little bit. And like I said, this team just feels like it's on a on a heater right now. And I think they'll carry it into this weekend. Like I said, thirty three set twenty seven. Um, I think it'll be you know feel close, but but maybe the maybe the final score will make it feel closer than what the game feels like. I think that's kind of what I got going into this one. Yep. I, uh, I think that that game script totally makes sense for sure. But we'll be back uh, next week to talk about it. Like I said, got some, you know, we were terrified of the Miami Dolphins. Somehow they lost to the Tennessee Titans last night. Um, That was a crazy one. The Giants are on an absolute heater to look out for them is they have Philadelphia twice coming up in this next four-week stretch. I, I think we talked about it last week. I predicted them to win a game against Philadelphia, which might have sounded crazy at the time. But uh, Tommy DeVito and the the Giants are on a heater, and I can see the uh, Wink Martindale blitz-heavy <laughs> Giants defense giving old Jalen Hurts some trouble here, you know, in the next couple of weeks. So um, we're, 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 we're big – you know, big Giants fans or big Seahawks. We're big Tommy Cutlets fans these the, the next three weeks yeah, here. Yeah, we got we're our 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 season relies in Jonathan Gannon, Geno Smith, and Tommy DeVito and Wink Martindale. Um to, to get us where we need to go. <laughs> Come on, Kyler, help out your hometown team. That's right. <laughs> That's right. You you haven't helped us out much anytime we play the Cardinals recently, so why don't you just go do us a solid and take down Philadelphia for us? There you go. I like it. We'll be back next week to talk about it. Uh, talk about the game in Buffalo. Talk about the game in Miami coming up. Um, excited to get into those and excited for the, the season to close out. Like I said, I think at this point it's pretty safe to say. I, I, did they clinch last week? I don't think they clinched, did they? San Francisco? No, Dallas. Uh, no, I think they need I think they need one more week. I think, I think San Francisco is the only team that has clinched a playoff spot just because of how far in front of um, – in front of the rest of the division they are and everything. But if the Dallas Cowboys do not make the playoffs this year, we will do 
some sort of loss bet challenge or something on the show because that's how confident we are this team making playoffs. So either way, we feel very confident the Cowboys are going to make playoffs this year. We feel confident about them going into the playoffs. That's something that we haven't been able to say for years. Um, even in years that we knew they were in the playoffs, like last year, we didn't, it's kind of not the most confident uh, feeling going into them. So um, that's different this year. We're excited for it. We're going to be here to talk about it each week, leading up to the playoffs, through the playoffs. And uh, we will continue to drop in every week. Thank you guys so much for listening. Make sure you're following all the other shows on the Blog Boys podcast feed. Thank you guys so much for listening. We are talking stuff. Support for this show comes from Wix Studio. Designers and devs, you might be able to do your thing better on Wix Studio, a web platform with everything you need to deliver bespoke sites hyper-efficiently. Design teams get a ton of smart features that can take the grind out of web creation without it costing per-pixel control. Dev teams, you get a zero-setup, developer-first environment combined with an AI code assistant and your preferred IDE for rapid deployment. Search Wix Studio today to explore the full range of features. Right now, businesses are facing tough choices. Do you cut costs or drive growth? Solve for today or build for tomorrow? Do you satisfy your shareholders or satisfy your customers? The answer is yes. You don't have to choose. With the intelligent platform for digital business from ServiceNow, you can say yes to unifying your existing systems and yes to accelerating growth. Visit servicenow.com to see how we can help you put yes to work. The world works with ServiceNow.